Just a quick programming note, we were experiencing some technical difficulties during the recording of this episode, so some of the audio during this interview may not sound as crisp and clean as you have come to expect from effective and efficient. Hey everybody, I'm Dan Bingaman. And I'm John Lee. Welcome to another episode of Effective and Efficient. things going things are going pretty good dan uh got some got a few things going around the house when i'm not working but uh it's working from home is uh has its pros and cons yeah we've been we've just been trying to find things to keep ourselves busy we we've never really been yard work people um mostly because we have a two-year-old and a four-year-old and we've had to always make sure that we're keeping them alive and we haven't had time to be yard work people although we've we've liked the idea of it but now that they are sort of to an age where they could kind of keep each other alive briefly for like an hour or so uh, we've been working out in the yard a lot more than we used to be able to uh, once we're done working for the day which has been kind of a a, a good stress release uh, to get outside and power wash and shovel and hack away at some problem areas in our yard that we hadn't had time to to really mess with yet. Yeah, uh, you said power wash, and I I uh, I just loaned my power washer out to my brother, and I am I am counting down the days until I get it back because there are several spots around the house, particularly in the backyard, that need a a really good power washing. So maybe sometime this weekend I, I'll I'll get the power washer back, and I can have a power washing party. Yeah, well, I've, we've we've done a little bit of that. We we power washed our uh, driveway. We also that we had a whole drainage system. Uh, that was here before we bought the house, uh, but had gotten gunked up with grass and dirt and just gunk mm. for like the past 25 years. And so um, we hacked away at that and got all that out of there. And so now we have like a working drainage system and I got it all power washed really good. And um, I'll tell you, it's, it's power washing is kind of one of those things where at least speaking for me, I should not be allowed to power wash on my free time because every time that I power wash, I think, why don't I just do this for a living it's so amazing. And the problem with power washing, if if there is such a thing as a problem with power washing is, and this has actually happened to me before, I, I will accidentally hit a spot with the power washer that I did not intend to hit. And then I see the magic that was created by hitting that spot with the power washer. And then I have to power wash the, the entire rest of that area. And then before you know it, Six hours have flown by, and I'm starving. Oh, um, I know. So, so there, so there can be, uh, there can be some downsides to power washing, but they are wonderful. Well, the, wonderful the other, yeah, absolutely. And the, the other day, we it was after we had previously we had gotten everything kind of cleaned up, but I noticed that there was a spot that I had missed when I was power washing. And after work, we kind of went out. We were in the yard. Kids were playing with the dog. My wife was messing with some plants and some other things. And I got the power washer out and all of a sudden it was like dark and none of us had eaten dinner. Right. And we just, I don't even know where the time went. Everybody was doing their own thing and I was happily just power washing away. Oh, yeah. It was just um, your power washing world. So I tell you though, not even just the power washing, um, all the other work that we've done, I'm, I'm sore. I haven't used a hoe in a while. Uh, so I got blisters on my hands and my shoes are disgusting from dirt and mud. And But anyway, we're, we're just trying to get some things you're, done while we're still working at home. You're at least sore from being productive around the house. I am only sore from, from trying to work out in my 
in my den through through Zoom workouts and all other kinds of workouts. So it's uh it's yeah like I said pros and cons um for the uh, working from home kind of switching gears here. Do you do you happen to remember Dan when when you were first hired as a program advisor? Uh, I actually do. Um, I, and the reason I remember is it was I uh, it was about two years ago in February, and I remember because I started two weeks after my second son, Oliver, was born. So he's a little over two years old now. I've been in this job a little over two years. So I, I do, I vividly remember uh, that time we I had a new job. We had a brand new baby. Um, and it was it was just a lot of there was a lot going on. We had recently moved to our current house. So, you know, new job, new baby, new house, um, trying to learn, relearn how to deal with a newborn because it had been a couple years since we had one trying to learn how to do a new job that I had never done before. Um, so it was all in all, it was a stressful time. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I, I don't have any kids, but it's crazy that you mentioned that because my, when I first started as a program advisor, which was back in July of 2017, and I, I can't believe it's almost about to be three years. My situation was actually kind of similar. I, uh, I had moved into a new house, the house that I'm currently living in, in May. So just a couple months before I started that position. And then in that same month, right around the time that I started as a program advisor, I I got a new puppy. Uh, she was four months old, so not quite a two-week-old baby, but kind of close. <laughs> yeah, I mean, two week, you know, young puppy, two-week-old baby. They they all poop and pee yeah. all the time right. when they're not napping or eating. Yeah. So yeah, so it was, um, you know, it, in addition to you know, kind of the stress of meeting new people and learning new things on a job, and you know, kind of doing things, you know, trial by fire. It was there was there was a lot going on um, outside of the job too. So. So it was, you know, and I had, I had come from an adult ed, bit of an adult ed education background as a career coach. And I, yeah. I knew a few people in adult ed, not too many, but a few, but it was, it was still pretty nerve wracking. Lots, oh, lots to learn. For sure. And I, I remember, I mean, I, I didn't come from an adult ed background, but I was a teacher prior to becoming a program advisor with adult education. And, um, you know, I taught in K-12 and I, I sort of mistakenly thought that all of those acronyms and skills were going to very easily transfer to my new job as a program advisor only to learn very quickly that there's an entire new set of acronyms and an entire new skill set that I had to learn um, very quickly, particularly because I, I became a program advisor right at the start of new budget season. And, and so trying to learn how to go through all of that process and learn all these new acronyms and all these uh, new entities like Octay. Oh God, um, yeah, and, the acronyms uh, are no joke. Exactly. So um, it was, it's all like, a, <clears throat> I've said it before, but it was, it was a little bit like trying to drink from a fire hose yeah. right at the beginning. It was just a lot of information on top of a lot of life changes yes. uh, for me and yeah. for my family. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, the whole reason that we are actually talking about our our own journeys when when we started as a program advisor is is because we we actually have a very special guest on today's show. Yes, uh, joining us today is Nicole Gray, who is our newest program advisor in the adult education office. She is the program advisor for the Northwest region of the state, and we are very excited to have her on. Uh, Nicole, thanks for joining us. Nicole, welcome welcome to the podcast. Tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you're from, your family, any hobbies that you have, and uh, all that good stuff. Okay, so I am from Little Rock, Arkansas, originally. However, I currently reside in Alexander. Um, I'm the only girl 
in my family. I have two um, brothers. I'm the middle child, only girl um, of the three of us. So um, I have. I come from a really large family on both my mother and father's side. I have two teenage children. Can you believe that? They're in college. They both attend the University of Arkansas in Fayetteville. So, yeah, nobody actually believed that I have teenage kids, but I do. But I'm still young at heart, you know. <laughs> so anyway, I, when I when I hear that, people sometimes think I'm their older sister. So you should see the looks that that they give me when I get overly excited. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting, though, to have... Uh, you know, to be able to relatively still look young. And then I have two teenage uh, children. So she's 20. She'll be 21 in July. And then he's 18. He'll be, my son will be 19 in June. So, yeah. How are they handling all the social distancing, stay at home, don't go to school, all that? Have they been taking it in stride fairly well? Or has it been a challenge for, for you guys? Well, um, for the most part, they've done well. My daughter kind of struggles a little bit with it. So she'll get out and go out for a drive. She just told me just now, she's like, I get, I got to go out for my drive just to clear her head. Cause it's a lot, it's a lot to deal with and they're finishing up their classes. So she's a little overwhelmed, but like I say, I tell her, you know, if that's what she needs to be able to clear her head, get out and get her driving. And then that's great. My son, he sleeps until the next day. <laughs> typical, typical boy. I'm like, if you don't get up, but, um, I wish that my children would would sleep in even just one day would be a gift. We've got I've got a four year old and a two year old and they wake up promptly at seven a.m. The seven a.m. actually would be a late get up for them, uh, and and it's just uh, I would kill to have even just one child sleep in. Yeah, you can forget that at that age, Dan. You yeah, can forget yeah. it. So I remember those days. I, I remember those days, and then when they got old enough, I'm like, you go and fix your own breakfast. You're independent now. And let me sleep. <laughs> but don't rush it, though. Don't don't rush it. So every every you and John. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, that's okay. What you about to ask me? I was just. Uh, I knew that. I mean, I knew John had been a career coach. I knew you had been a career coach. Did you two work together as career coaches, or did that not really overlap? No. So I was actually um, housed in a high school. So I was a college and career coach through the University of Arkansas at Pulaski Technical College, and I was okay. housed at Little Rock Hall High School. So I was there full time in the high school Monday through Friday. Okay. I didn't know John was a career coach, actually, because he, when we would conduct site visits, he would come and be a part of it. So I just always I was, supervisor. I was the well, supervisor is a strong word. I was I was certainly not Nicole's supervisor. Um, I had the uh, enviable task of going and looking at all the records um, of the high school career coaches, which is as about as exciting as it sounds. And so I. I kind of had a role with the high school career coach program where we did the site visits and which are actually pretty similar to the site visits that we do now um, as program advisors. But, uh, you know, we do the site visits. Um, uh, we would help with the trainings, which Nicole knows all about and how special those were. And but then on the adult education side, I, I was actually a career coach. Um, I was in Pulaski County. I served uh, Pulaski County Special School District as well as the Little Rock School District. And uh, similar to Latasha Dale, um, I had several sites that I 
that I visited um, throughout the week. But that was that was actually it started out on a fairly full time basis. But as my time as a career coach um, uh, increased, I it kind of became more and more part time, and I started um, doing more of the uh, quote unquote you know, supervisory stuff, um, you know, like the site business and trainings for the high school program. So Nicole always had, I will go ahead and as I'll, I will go ahead and brag on our new program advisor right now. Nicole okay. always had, whenever we visited, was it Jay Fair, Nicole, or was it, was it Hall? Oh, Little Rock oh. Hall. No, don't do that to me. Um, Little Rock <laughs> Hall. I like Jay Fair. Nothing oh, against right. Jay Sorry. Fair. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, when we visited Hall and Nicole was um, easily had the best, um, documentation and you could tell that she always did a really good job um just how you interacted with her that she was great with students so nicole was great well thank you john you'll get a you'll get a lot of uh, chances to practice your documentation skills in this job (laughs) i believe it i believe it. so when did you i mean i know that we know when you started but for the people listening who who may not have had a chance to to meet you or get to know you yet when did you start as a program advisor and and what sort of drew you uh, to this to this role um you know in transitioning away from from your job as a career coach so i started on february the 10th of this year 2020 so um i actually really loved being in the position as the college and career coach just changing lives but for me I felt that I was becoming just stagnant. There was no room for growth and opportunity. And one thing I've always wondered, you know, what would my next step be? Because education is is my passion. So I've I've had over I have over ten years of education experience. I've been on the elementary school level where I worked uh, uh, with elementary students. I've worked in middle school where I've taught middle school, ran an after school program. I've worked in higher ed. I've worked in high school. So I've worked in many capacities of education. But as I was thinking even about a career move, I just knew I had to stay in education because that's my passion. Of course, didn't know much about being a program advisor. So when I got the phone call and I went back to read, you know, to read the job description, um, again, not knowing what the program advisor consisted of, but as I began to read and kind of study more about this role, I was like, wow, this is a totally different feel from what I, the, what I'm used to doing. But the fact that it was still in education is what really drew me. And then being on it from a different aspect. I knew I wouldn't directly work with students anymore, but just now I'm on a different aspect. So um, I just think, you know, wanting change, but again, wanting to stay in education of some sort. Sure. Sure. So have you been, have you been liking the job so far? It's been kind of an interesting time to start. uh, Particularly ours since we've been out of the office for most of the time that you've, you've been here so far. I know, right. I couldn't have started at a, at a better time because I am really having to uh, teach myself being self-directed. Of course there's, you know, there's help, but I'm really having to learn a lot just being at home. But thus far I do, I, I have a great team. I feel like the, program advisors, we are a great team because sometimes meeting new people, you're not really sure what you're getting into. So that was, I think that was one of the fears for me. It's just not knowing because I had such an amazing team that I had come from and working with a great staff and being in a great environment. But I believe I have gained, I hadn't lost anything. I'll tell you that. So um, it's a lot to learn. It's, It's definitely a lot to learn. 
However, I do like the fact that I can help um, from a different capacity. I may not be directly working with students, but just helping those directors to be able to guide them and providing that technical assistance for ensuring that their programs run effectively, ensuring that they're able to incorporate various things, uh, rather that's instruction, just enhancing their programs in the way that learning is being uh, delivered to students. So, yeah, thus far, I'm, I'm liking it. I am. Well, good. We're, we're, we were happy to finally have that position filled. It, 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 they, they, they had posted that job and, and, and taken it down and interviewed for it and didn't get anybody and posted it again. And so it had been a long time before anybody had been in that role. Uh, and we're very happy to have you. And I know that Sarah Yeager. Nobody's happier than Sarah. Nobody's happier than Sarah because she's been serving as our program coordinator and as the interim Northwest Arkansas uh, program advisor for over a year, probably like a year and a half. Um, so I know that she's happy to have you as well. Yes, and I'm happy to be here. And then speaking of Northwest, real quick, when I when I um, discovered that I was going to be working as the Northwest program advisor, I was even more excited because, again, my children are in the Northwest region. So that was a plus. Yeah, I can maybe do a little, um, maybe a little surprise pop up visit during the. You know, during your site visits. Yep, never know where mama's going to come in. (laughs) (laughs) Never know. So all of us, you know, we all, in addition to being a program advisor, we all also have kind of our secondary roles. You know, I'm, you know, in the reentry coordinator role. Dan is... Uh, distance learning and Jana is the curriculum. And so tell us a little bit about what your secondary role is going to be. So my secondary role, I will serve as the out-of-school youth liaison. And in that role, because of my prior knowledge and background, just working with youth, the goal is to come in and help develop programs for the out-of-school youth population within adult education. So I am very excited about that role I'm still a lot to learn, but um, I have definitely been researching and planning to figure out ways to be able to help that population because it's it's very much needed. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to continue to be able to um, help in that aspect. So, Nicole, what did you teach when you taught middle school? I I heard that you, I mean, you you mentioned having teach taught middle school. I used to teach middle school as well before I, before I came to this job, I, I worked, uh, I taught seventh, eighth, ninth, really all the way up to 12th grade for, for about six years, uh, five or six years. Um, so I, w- what grades did you teach in middle school and, and what was your middle school experience like? Very weird. Oh my gosh. Yes. And they think they know everything and don't know nothing. So I have worked with sixth through eighth grade middle schoolers and yeah, they don't know a thing, but they think they know everything. They can be a really fun bunch. I enjoyed my middle school teaching years, but man, the the weird things that they would say and the strange smells that would come out of them uh, was just made that for uh, made for a very unique experience. Yes, and I've learned they're still they're still babies, and they're so it's so funny because it's like they're trying to find themselves, and they're yeah. they're so honest to a fault in a lot of aspects. So bless their little hearts, but yes. So they, they they stink. They need bath, <laughs> but they are fun. And and they the group that I have worked with, they were very intelligent. So I actually loved middle middle school. I always wanted babies when I was you know thinking about career and going into education. But then I realized I was like I don't want high school. I don't want high school at all. I just wanted the elementary level or the babies. But then as time progressed, I realized that I actually 
I just don't think I would have the patience. But I love, I really, no, I, I realized I love high schoolers and I actually like the middle school because they are really fun. The middle school, they are really fun. So you mentioned earlier that kind of adapting into this new position from being a career coach and being um, more in direct contact with students in, you know, education, um, you know, and whatnot. So has there been anything particularly challenging? Um, and I know you've only been with us for a few months, but has there been anything uh um, particularly challenging in this position that you've come across? Just trying to, well, that's, there's a lot. I mean, I'm not afraid of a challenge, I will say that. But just really trying to, first of all, just learn, learning the programs um, and also just learning the data, the data system. And I've, I'm realizing there's so much that you can do with that system and then budget. So we are approaching budget. So again, I couldn't have come at a better time with the CV-19, <laughs> COVID, and then just coming during, you know, budget season. So really trying to understand those budgets. I don't like budgets, but I know it's a part of life. I like budgets when it comes to my budget because that's my money. <laughs> so the budgets, um, they seem like they may be a challenge, may not be as bad as I'm thinking, but again, this is all, this is all new for me. So yeah, there's definitely there's definitely a little bit of a trial by fire aspect to this job, especially when you start out. Um, I think I think everybody could pretty much agree with that. And uh, yeah, coming in during budget season, especially in this fairly un, um, unprecedented time right now uh, because of COVID nineteen, it's um, I imagine it does present some um, pretty interesting challenges. Yeah, I know I'm not gonna memorize everything, but just want to. You know, I want to do everything right or to the best of my ability. So, yeah. As a, as a way of sort of wrapping up, are there, is there anything that you uh, would like for uh, either the directors in your region to know about you as you uh, take on this new role of their program advisor or, or things that you want um, others, uh, you know, around the state to know either teachers or directors uh, about you or that you think would be important for them to know? Well, just as a whole, um, just I'm really passionate as a whole. I'm I'm very passionate when it comes to just education sector and just trying to help people. So I am definitely trying to get to know my directors. I think I have a really good program and really great directors. So just knowing that I am definitely passionate and far as my program directors go, whatever they need, even though I am still going through the learning phase, I am definitely here to provide guidance and assist them in any way. And I've made it known if I'm unsure, if I don't know something, I'm definitely going to find the answer and I'm not going to just leave them high and dry and just know that um, I'm here as a whole, just to help to, to build or make things help to improve things and in, in, to the best of my ability. So, yeah. Do you have a favorite program director so far? Ooh, 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 John. Johnny. You don't have to answer that. You don't have to answer that. That'll get me in trouble. You don't have to answer that. Our listeners are going to demand answers to that question. <laughs> I will tell you this. I will tell you this. I do have, and I'm going to put her name out here because she is very, I, and I, know, I think she's relatively new as well in, in terms of her role, but I will say Kathleen, she is really on it and wanting to make sure that she does everything right. So when I send her out any type of information, she's, Nothing against anybody else, but I just think because she wants to ensure that she does things right and she's wanting to develop that relationship because 
not only do I have to learn them, but they have to learn me as well. And I know this is new because they've been, you know, used to having various program advisors and, you know, Sarah has stepped in and helping that region as well. But she, she is ensuring that she's getting the assistance and just being able to understand her program and how things flow on the state side as well. So I, I appreciate that. While she is new to the Fort Smith program, relatively new. Now, she was actually a program director at NTI. NTI, right. I knew that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not quite sure for how long, um, but so she, so while she does have experience, you're correct. I mean, she, she is uh, still fairly new at the Fort Smith program and, and um, you're, you're absolutely right. She is, she is very on top of things and always wanting to find ways to improve. To improve. Right. But overall, I was in, thoroughly impressed I have had the opportunity now to visit every program and everybody has something unique to offer. So I love it. I'm, I'm loving it thus far. So, yeah. Well, the rest of the uh, Northwest Arkansas uh, program directors can send their hate mail to Nicole.Gray. <laughs> of the top spot in her individual director bracket. You are funny, but I love, I love, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying them all. But I, I love, I love Debbie Fabis also thus far because you know we've had a one on one and and she's been very grateful of uh, of me trying to get to know them as well and not just coming in trying to be this monster. We uh, uh, definitely want to thank you for coming on, Nicole. Um, it was um, we. You know, we wanted to wanted to take an opportunity to highlight um, a newbie from the state office. So so uh, we do appreciate you coming on. Thank you, John. Thank you, Dan. Once again, thanks to Nicole Gray for joining us on the show today. I know we can all relate to the experience of starting a new job, and we really appreciate Nicole coming on to share a little bit about herself, give us her perspective as a new program advisor, and let the directors and teachers out in the field learn a little bit more about her. And it even sounds like we have a little bit of a competition brewing for Nicole's favorite program director. So step it up, everybody not named Kathleen. And make sure to stay tuned. In the coming weeks, we have several very special episodes planned, including a show dedicated entirely to English language learners, as well as a special tribute to several members of the adult education community here in Arkansas. And if you like the show, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes and make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. That is going to do it for this episode. Please stay tuned in the future for more effective and efficient.